All right, let's see this. You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned. I don't know. Plan on it. Oh, this is cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Minus five. Rocket ship. Lagging a little bit, but. This is awesome, dude. That's my dining room. That, that used to be where we recorded the show. Uh, it's kind of. I'm digging this. This is great. I'm Raymond Arroyo. We'll see you next time. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. So that so the show used to be in my dining room. Some of those clips were from my dining room, and uh, and yeah, it was kind of glitching a little bit there. But welcome to the show. This is cool, Stan. So um, it's a crazy story, Stan. I've never told you this, but uh, you came on the scene because Bradley Banning used to record a show in here. Yeah. And I went home to my wife Danielle, who's a cowgirl. She was a barrel racer. She's like real Texas cowgirl, tried and true. Yeah. And I went home and I said, you know, today Bradley brought an actual cowboy to the <laughs> – when you walked in the door, that's how I described you. I was like, this guy Stan looks and talks and acts like how I imagine like an ideal cowboy to be. <laughs> you told her that. Yeah, I told her that. I was like, you got to meet this guy Stan. He's the <laughs> nicest cool. guy. He's got really cool stories, like really awesome stories. He's a man of faith and like just a really great guy. So um, we thought we'd have you on the show. Well, thanks for so having me. So welcome. Have right. you ever – well, you have been on. You've been on Bradley's show, right? Is this Came your second podcast ever? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm, now all of a sudden I'm experienced, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to start charging. <laughs> Not hardly. <laughs> so are you an actual cowboy? I don't know a lot about you. To be honest, like we've talked a, a little bit, but I don't know a ton about you. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think of myself as a cowboy. I'm not, I'm not, like I said before, a rodeo cowboy and I don't, yeah. I don't get to, I don't live on a ranch and I don't, I'm not a working cowboy, but when I have the opportunity, I, I love to be with my sister and help out. Yeah. And, uh, I had an opportunity this, this summer up in Colorado to help some friends, friends from the church. I started attending up there while I yeah. was there temporarily. And so your sister's a cowboy? Or she's a cowgirl. cowgirl. Yeah. Cow she's cowgirl, cow person. <laughs> she's, uh, she's great. She, she's, uh, really good at riding horses and training people's horses and, yeah. and, uh, and working with young kids. She loves kids, yeah. which is just an incredible gift she has. So where are you from originally? Oh man, we were, uh, my family's from Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. Um, Originally, my grandfather was from Tennessee. Okay, he was Cherokee, and uh, on the other side, in the Oklahoma side, was uh, the Choctaw, and then we have Scots Irish and a little German. My grandmother was was German, so okay. we got a mix. How many How many siblings? Uh, I'm the oldest of four. I have wow. a brother younger than me. My brother Danny, who I'm just he's the best friend a man could have, best brother I could ever ask for. Uh, my sister Stacy, and then my sister Nancy, who's in East Texas. She has a restaurant there, and she's just a gift. So that's cool. Yeah. Wait, is that, so one brother, two sisters. Yeah, four. And you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. Okay. I was the one that got to make the mistakes, and they got to learn from it. Hopefully, <laughs> as they say, that's done. So, yeah. so you have. I mean, you've had. You were just telling me the other day. Every time you come by, you'll like you'll give me like a little bit of your story, or you'll just you'll reference like the number of times you almost died. Like just the other day, you came real quick to talk about something, and then for some reason we started talking about all the. You were trying to think of all the number of times you've almost died. Yeah, and you started going crazy. through. You're like, well, I was on the. I was on a boat. I did this. I did this. Yeah. I mean. 
I mean, what, what are all the number of times you almost died? Give, give Kyle, give oh, Kyle a taste. I'm of, very curious here. <laughs> well, chronologically, um, it was like it was like every industry you can imagine. He was like, I almost fell off a plane, almost fell off a boat, almost uh, fell off a rocket ship. Yeah, it's been pretty bizarre. Um, when I was four, just a few days before I started kindergarten, I got hit by a car. I was chasing some friends, some little boys on bicycles. And <laughs> I ran up behind a car, and there's a truck. Uh, Run behind a truck. There's a car coming from the other direction. It nailed me. Dang. Uh, you know, knocked me down. I was all right. It wasn't going super fast. Um, so I got bumped around a little bit. You know, <laughs> that, that wasn't so. That wasn't really bad. I met like, a kid once. A youth group. This was like my first middle school youth group. And this kid walks right up to me, and he said, uh, "I've been hit by a car twice." And whoa. I was like, he, "By two cars, two different cars." And I was like, "What?" And uh, I don't remember the second story, but the first story he told me, he said, "I was run over by a school bus." His sister was in the street and was going to get hit by this car, and he runs into the street and pushes his sister, mm. and he got hit. But wow. but the bus perfectly ran over him without hitting him with the wheels because he got hit and then just was knocked under it, yeah. and then just went over him, and then he just stood up and walked away. Wow, Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So this must this must not have been. So it wasn't going really fast. The car that hit you? No, it wasn't. I got knocked down and uh, we had like gravel road, you know, yeah. kind of chat they called it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, it just kind of pushed me a little bit, and, and then it stopped. It was over me a little bit, but I kind yeah. of crawled out of it. And then you almost fell off a barge or something. Well, I was. It's, it's kind of crazy. If I went. Um, from there, I was – the next one really that had any, you know, that was kind of close was I was riding a horse. My dad was riding a horse, and mm-hmm. and we were up in Kansas in the shelter but along a, a shelter belt, which is, you know, there are trees planted in rows to stop the wind and from blowing all the seed away and everything. It was winter. Yeah. And we were riding, and I was on this little horse named uh, – little Shetland pony named Lightning, and I understood why. She, uh, she headed for the barn all of a sudden. I wasn't ready. I kind of slipped off the back of the saddle and was hanging on to that, and my dad uh, – my dad took off and kept yelling at me, "Don't let go! Hang on, hang on!" You know, wow. and and uh, he was amazing. It was like it was in slow motion. There was a break in the in the shelter boat. So I'm, this horse is taking me down through the middle of the trees, wow. two on each side. And Dad cut in there and reached down and, and didn't panic. My dad was like it was like he was a, a Comanche riding so well. And he hung down in there, and he he reached over and he grabbed the reins with both horses, really really cooking, really wow. moving fast, and. Uh, if he'd have pulled those reins up, the horse would have stopped, and we'd have just had a wreck, all four of us. And yeah. uh, instead, he eased it down, and I was able to get back. You know, I was safe. But man, that was that was a big one. Um, let's see, I had a four hundred fifty watt heat bulb blow up on me one time. Yeah, what, what, I remember you saying that. What's a heat bulb? Well, there was a. I was like that provides heat. I guess. Yeah, for... I was. I was on a training table. I was. I just practiced track. I was qualified for a regional meet. Yeah. Yeah, let's been, get, let me get this over here a little bit. Okay. There you go. And I've been working out, and uh, so I came in. My coach said, get some get some heat on your legs, on my thighs, because I was doing sprints. I was practicing yeah. coming out of the blocks. And uh, so I got a shower, and I had a little bit longer hair back then. Also, it was a different color. And, <laughs> no way. Yeah. What I, color was it? It was kind of a darker shade of what Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, so I got out of the shower, and as I sat down on the training table to, to wheel around and get under the heat, I threw my hair back, and... Uh, water hit the bulb and it blew up on my neck and my chest it just exploded oh my gosh yeah so it was but thank god once again the good lord i, I didn't get any glass on my face and my eyes or anything and yeah it could have been really bad i just uh it was so hot though it melted a a, a figure of me into the plastic around me on the Oof. yeah i had i don't know how many shards of gra- glass in me but there was a bunch gosh so, do you still have scars or anything yeah i do I have, I have a lot of little scars kind of like i got shot with a 
you know, it's peppered. Yeah, so I've got some pretty good scars. And then you almost fell off a barge or something? Yeah, I got knocked off a barge. <laughs> I was... I went on the Mississippi Are you keeping River. track, Kyle? Are you keeping tally? I w- we need to do a video where it says, like, one, <laughs> yeah, two. It just keeps going. Yeah. I have to keep them in order or lose sight. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, – But all of these aren't, like, necessary. you haven't put yourself in crazy situations. It's more like just, like, unfortunate things have happened. Yeah, you know, I think back, I think sometimes uh, I, I did put myself in positions that weren't, weren't really the best. I, most of these happened to me by accident. But, yeah. they're, you know, I – the barge deal, I was working on a barge uh, a barge boat on the Mississippi River, and mm-hmm. it was going from uh, Baton Rouge down to New Orleans, and okay. we'd, haul, we'd haul grain down and hot sulfur back. And it was a good gig. It was yeah. a good summer-type job, you know. And uh, But there's a new guy, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, we were moving into New Orleans to tie off the barges. And this uh, new guy was out there on the barge with us late at night, and you've got big lights. And um, he kind of panicked and threw the rope, a big tie rope, uh, and it hit me in the back of the legs and knocked me off the barge. And we're mm-hmm. easing over into you know stumps and barrels and whatever's in the water. And so I, I, you know, I came up and I grabbed the rope. And when I did, it started wrapping me, mm-hmm. wrapping around me. So it rolled me against the edge of the barge, which was crazy. It was like I was getting rolled. And Dang. they stopped the barge, and my head was above water, and I was fine. I just had to roll the other way. Wow. How old were you? Oh, uh, I think I was, I think I was nineteen. 18, what, 19. what was like going through your head? Like, were you like, I'm gonna die? No, actually, it was kind of weird. It was kind of in slow motion. I just kept thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, if I can never get, you know, if we can get over there, because it was slowing down. But yeah. yeah, it was dark and it was spooky, and I was banging into stumps. And yeah. Stuff, but it was, uh, it was weird. I didn't really panic. It was huh. afterwards it kind of hit me what, what had really happened, you know. Huh. So. So how many other near death experience or near death. <laughs> how many other? Oh, I got knocked off. I was on a construction project, and uh, we were building a. We were building a large. Um, it was a limestone hopper, big V for a, to bring limestone in on, in cars and mm-hmm. for coal fires. Really, what it was, and um, it was about nine stories up, ninety three feet, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guys were wrecking out forms, and uh, somehow this guy had his had the jib, which is the the point on the crane. He was too far over, and when in this piece of uh, wood, giant piece of plywood. And, Two by sixes broke loose and, and hit me as I was walking across the middle of this this walkway, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I grabbed hold of it. Just when it hit me, I just dropped these crowbars and grabbed hold of it. And it took me and it swung me about sixty feet into the steel on the other side. And then it spun. It started taking the coil out and did the dang. same thing the other way. And dang, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I hit the catwalk with my hip, and but I didn't let go. And uh, wow, <laughs> and uh, this. This guy of all of all names, cowboy. This guy we call cowboy. Yeah, had the sense to hook his safety belt out and lean out as far as he could, and he caught me as I came by. I don't know how many more trips I can make. I think he got me on the third trip. <laughs> Holy cow! So, yeah. Were you calm then during that? No, no, okay. I wasn't. No, Freaking I was. Out. I was just grateful, and I was shaking. And and uh, the the guy, the rigger, they called. He sends the signals up to the the crane and to the operator. Um, he let him know I was okay, but. Afterwards, man, I just I went up there and told him. He said, "You know, I said I'm all right. Everything's cool." He said, "Man, he said I've been doing this 17 years. I've never had anything like that happen." I wow. said, "Well, you can put that one in your book. And don't worry about it. it's done now. <laughs> We're not doing that again. We're over with." Yeah. <laughs> so, so is that is that all your near death experiences? Mm, I got robbed <laughs> twice at gunpoint. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, yeah, I love how that's a footnote. Like, yeah, I've been robbed once at gunpoint. I'd be like, that was it. That yeah, was my number one. I robbed twice at gunpoint. Yeah, that's twice. What's yeah. the story there? 
Um, Were those ones that you put yourself in the situation? Or was that you just- know, I, I'd come out of a restaurant in San Antonio, and uh, myself and another fella, and uh, these guys had followed us out. I'd pulled some money out, yeah. to, uh, and I had a money clip, Yeah, and these two guys followed us, and mm. uh, we didn't realize it. And yeah. uh, when we stopped to get out of the car um, to meet some friends at another location, uh, they came down on us with guns. and Wow. Yeah, came behind us. And- when was the second time? Second time I had uh, a <laughs> ring that I was selling. It was a um, it was a former engagement ring, and uh, I met a guy in a restaurant, nice restaurant, and yeah. he pulled a nine millimeter out from under a football jersey and just said, "Give it to me." Yeah, well, he had it in his hand, which was fortunate. Um, I, I, I'd given him a certificate, and he was leaning over the table, acting like he was looking at it, and he had the box with the diamond, and but he didn't have big hands, and so when he pulled the pistol out and he tried to hit the slide to cock it the he didn't hit it he didn't get it the first time and so i i came up under the table and i, I played football defensive end and i just forearmed the table and tipped it over on him and then he hit the ground and he came up and he got it and so everybody's what what yeah. happened yeah what happened he got the, he got the diamond and took off oh and he had the box and the gun and dang everybody's screaming and everything so i took off running um I, wait I, and I, where were you guys at you guys we were, were in like, austin at that time but like were you guys at like a denny's or like no no it was a nice restaurant it was outside patio and everything okay. you know and he was dressed nice and and but uh, you were meeting him there you had dinner and then you're meeting him there and then you're gonna sell him this engagement ring yeah it was a it was a nice diamond it was a, it was a expensive ring I do you was, always take people out to dinner before you sell them no something? i had eaten and was waiting on him oh, I, okay i was wanting to watch and see this whole yeah. thing i was doing my recon and yeah, somebody yeah, came yeah. in with him and dropped him off i wanted and so but he, he just drove up and wow. walked around the corner i guess uh, but i took off chasing him and i chased him about a block and a half and it was in a wait you chased the guy that had a gun well, on he had him? my ring and, and it was you know Did so you I, have a gun on you no but i, I knew you know, I, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew I could outlast him if if I had. If to, he shot you, if he just kept running, I could keep oh, running. I oh, could oh, gotcha, gotcha. But so, wouldn't, wouldn't you be afraid that he'd just turn around, Kyle? Would you run after a guy with well, a he gun? Was, that, he was pretty good ways ahead of me. He's probably sixty yards ahead of me. And Kyle, wouldn't you be afraid that he's just going to shoot you with a gun? I'd be very afraid. I would be running, but I, probably you know, I really wasn't. Way. I really wasn't. I, you weren't thinking. You're. I wasn't thinking the about him shooting me. I was gotcha. as much as I was. This goes. This is a yeah. Fifteen thousand dollar diamond this yeah. guy's running off with, and we're going to chase him till he stops. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, I, I followed him around to Kroger, and I ran behind chasing him, and uh, came up, and the guy was sitting there with a uh, pickup truck with a sawed-off shotgun in the window, and I drove behind the dumpster, and there they went. So it was history. They got Dang. it. Dang. Yeah. Wow. So no harm, no foul. How old were you then when that happened? Hmm. Man, that was probably. I was probably. 40. Wow. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, probably around 40. What were you doing at the time? Obviously, you probably got a promotion from the barge to afford a $15,000. It was uh, – I was was working for a a new home uh, company, a home building company. Okay. Yeah. In Austin. It was great. Man. So what else – is that it? Is that all your that's time? All got, you- man. <laughs> that's enough. That's a lot. That's a lot of almost. It just like- wore me out thinking about it all. You know, <laughs> that's a lot of near death experiences. <laughs> a lot of it, little. little Kyle, what's, what's the, the closest to death you've ever come? Uh, I uh, I punctured my spleen when I was in college once. Actually. Oh, I remember mm. that story. I uh, whoa. I was playing. I was playing flag football. I don't know how the like. I played tackle football for a few years in high school. Never really had any problems, but I played. I was playing flag football, and this ball was tipped in the air, and it was turning over on its side like crazy. And I, uh, 
I jumped on the ball and I caught it. It was an interception for those keeping score at home. And <laughs> after the game, I went to my next class. I had like an afternoon class at 6 p.m. And I went to use the restroom. And I was like peeing red. I was like, ah, that's crazy. That's not good. So I, mm. I Googled peeing red. <laughs> Sick? Question mark? Because I, like, I was like, let's get to the bottom of this deal. And oh, man. I found out that I had allegedly internal bleeding. But <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever Googled like a illness, it always tells you that you're dying. Yeah, it yeah. always tells you that. I'm surprised it didn't tell you you had cancer. Like, yeah, I normally get some form of cancer. Well, with all my symptoms, it's like it could be cancer. Yeah, so, they go there. Yeah, I, I blew the whole thing off, and I was like, it's not that big of a deal. And I stood, sat through the classes, two and a half hour class, and I got back to my dorm, and I really felt bad. So I called a buddy of mine who was a, a nurse, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think?" And he was in the middle of doing something. He's like, "Ah, you're probably fine." And I was like, "I don't think." I was like, "I don't think he's right." You're like, thanks, guy. So I called. I, I called a second opinion, and this is like what it was like. Our school had a big nursing college there, so you would just call these like third year nurses for medical advice. And I called my friend Diane. I was like, "Hey, so this is happening. I feel sick. Blah blah blah. I'm peeing red." She's like, "Are you serious?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, did not mean to hit that button, but Diana took me to the hospital. I spent uh, two or three nights there, and if I had gone to sleep, yeah, I probably would have died, they said. Wow. Gee. Which is pretty crazy to think that if I hadn't called Diane, probably would have passed away. And I tell Diane that all the time. It embarrasses her to no end. I'm like, Diane, you saved my life. And we'll just be talking to people and be like, oh, this is Diane. You know, she saved my life once. Man. I I don't think the closest I've ever come to death is like – I lived in – we lived in Ramstein, Germany, mm-hmm. and I loved these, like, butterscotches. So I think I was maybe in second grade, and I would eat these butterscotches. And my mom was – you know, dad's at work. My mom's, like, upstairs or something, and for some reason I just breathed wrong or something. I sucked the butterscotch into my Ooh. throat, and it was the first time in my life that I, yeah, like, had that thought, and I was second grade, right? I was like, I can't breathe. Like, I was trying to breathe and I couldn't. And all of a sudden, like, my mortality made sense because I was like, oh, if I don't breathe for much longer, I will die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and uh, I just, I just, uh, I think I just told this story last episode too. And uh, yeah, and then my mom, eventually I found my mom and I was just like, you know, pointing and she just started tipping me upside down and trying to hit me on the back and then it, it came out. Dislodged. Yeah, but that's the closest, that's like the only. Never been robbed at gunpoint or yeah, but you wrote me. I mean, you were running out of air. There's a yeah, little, that there's, that was scary. That's I will a, that's always a little remember. different issue. That's a bigger issue. Yeah, it was it was really weird. It was like my brain all of a sudden did the math of if this keeps going and there was no one around. Yeah. So so I was just was like, oh, like if I don't do something, this is bad. This is yeah, really bad. bad news. Yeah. Were you uh, were you always like in any of those moments that you were near death? Like, do did thoughts of like did that because not everyone has that many near death or just like those accidents yeah like yeah, yeah. did that give you a new perspective or make you think differently yeah it, it did about life? i uh I'll, I'll tell you what it did I'll, the, when i when i when i got robbed the the second time for the diamond the, yeah. i uh i was I, you know i had to go in the next morning and fill out police reports and all that and 90 days passed and they still couldn't find the diamond you know somebody this this guy it was sold or hawked or whatever way before yeah who knows? Um, so the district attorney said, what do you want to do? And I said, I, just, I mean, the detective, excuse me, the detective said, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue? And I said, no, let it go. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right. And, I, and he goes, okay. And he kind of laughed a little bit. And I said, well, what's so funny? He said, well, it's, it's not funny. But he said, man, he said, you know, you're, 
your uh, your fiance decides to uh, uh, investigate a relationship with somebody other than you. We'll leave it that way. Mm. And um, and he said, and then uh, takes you seven months. To the history was it took me seven months to get the ring back, and I mm-hmm. put it in a pair of sweat socks in the gym bag for seven months. Guys trying to figure out what to do. So the sevens and sevens were coming along, mm. and uh, so then when I decided to sell it at the advice of a friend and how to handle it. Uh, I thought I was doing the right thing. But when he said that, he kind of laughed a little bit, and, and I, he said, you know, you lost, a, you lost a girl, you lost a diamond. He said, uh, he said, you just lost all the way around. I said, wait a minute. I said, that's not it at all. I said, you don't understand. He said, what do you mean? And I said, I said, number one, that woman was not supposed to be with me. There's someone better in my life the good Lord's going to bring to me, and I'm glad she's gone. Mm. So number two, I didn't get shot. Which, <laughs> that's a, which 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 puts a me far ahead of everybody else that might have. Yeah, and I said number three, um, I didn't lose a diamond. I lost an old piece of coal. It just became a piece of pretty carbon after it disappeared from me. I didn't have mm-hmm. to have it back. It was mm-hmm. gone. It was bad money, bad girl, bad circumstance. Yeah. And I said number four, that guy didn't get away with anything but a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And karma will catch up with him later on. I don't mm-hmm. have to be the one. Yeah, I said so. My opinion, it's over with. I said, you know, write that one off and yeah. count that as over with. And and I, was, I moved away from that thinking, hey, everything's fine. How long have you, how long had you been with that girl? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. What gave you that perspective, though, to be able to just, like, let that stuff go? You know, um, I think it's just it's, there's there are times in your life where you just you just take them for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could uh, I could look at it and say, well, this all was a bad deal, or that was all a bad deal. Really, it just happened the way it happened. You know, life comes at us, and we get different twists and different different paths. And you know, you run a red light, someone's got a better shot at hitting you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and I've I've dodged. I want to say I've dodged a lot of bullets. Fortunately, I didn't dodge any bullets. I never got shot at. But yeah. the the perspective is, I think we begin to understand more about the value of time. And and the events that that happen, you know, we can add a lot of chaos to our life if we want to just keep filling it up, filling it up. But if yeah. we pause a little bit and look back and go, that was kind of cool. I got through that. Yeah, you know, that's that's where you talk. You know, my faith is real strong, like y'all's, just mm-hmm. like you and Kyle mm-hmm. and the people you associate with. And I've I've had the the, the blessing of meeting. Yeah, um, I think we begin to understand that. that you know, I, I used to tell my son and my daughter, this is a short trip on a fast moving rock. <laughs> so live it like they're going to make a film about it. <laughs> Or, or write a book, yeah, and uh, so that's that's kind of the way I've done it. I don't, I haven't had the stereotypical, um, you know, I was a I was a dentist for thirty eight years in Western Kansas. And what you were a dentist? No, no, I'm just saying that never happened. I didn't <laughs> oh, have that. I didn't oh, have I was that like, lifestyle. what? Like where? No, no, no. I didn't, oh, okay, I, didn't, I didn't have that. Life. Oh, okay, I didn't okay. have that. I've had. I feel the, like I would. You would have led with that or something. Like no. I'm Stan. I used to be a dentist. <laughs> you know? Cowboy dentist. Yeah. Now I work equine. Yeah. Sorry, I keep bugging you. you on this. Okay, we're business. cool. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. But I, I just, uh, I've, I've always, I've been blessed with two of the greatest gifts. When I've shared or, or spoken to young people, which yeah. I've been very fortunate to do. Of course, now everybody's younger than me. I don't know. I guess you hang <laughs> around long enough, person. you got you got enough, uh, you know, enough candles on your. <laughs> on your birthday cake thing, see it from the sky. Yeah, I don't know, but I. Uh, well, wait, were, were your parents like religious, or like where did that all come from? We have a we have a strong. My mother and dad were uh, strong in their faith. They didn't they didn't shout it from the mountaintop, so to speak. But yeah, they, yeah. they lived the, they lived principles, and they were. Yeah. I mean, my mother and dad. We would go to we would go to church you know, on on some, most occasions. Yeah. Other times we didn't. Where? Um, what was the church? I went to Baptist church. I went to Methodist church. Yeah. Um, 
I think one of the things that's given me, if I may, the, the some of the best perspective is when I was a when I was a kid, you know, little boys play cowboys and Indians. Yeah. Well, I could play on either side. Yeah. I had I had incredibly I was I was enamored with the West and the cowboy lifestyle and the and the bigger than life stories that came with it and, yeah. and some guys that my dad knew or friends that we had that were involved in horses or cattle and I worked on a ranch a little bit when I was a kid. Um, but by the other side, the part I go back to on the faith is um, being being part Native American. Mm. Uh, there's a spiritual essence to that that doesn't always follow. It doesn't necessarily follow the Christian doctrine. Mm. But yet, my mother my mother was a very spiritual, loving woman. But she loved mm. the Lord, mm. and so the Christian faith was in our family. And so, your mother was Native American. Yes, my mother's Cherokee. Oh, Cherokee. did I yeah. miss that, Kyle? Did he already say that? Did I like totally miss that? Wait, she's she's part, full. No, not full. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was part Cherokee. Yeah. Oh, wow. And my uh, my grandfather was Cherokee. He came. You from did Tennessee. say, and then you yeah. said you have German on your side too. Yeah, my the, my grandmother okay. was uh, my grandmother on the on my dad's side. Uh, she was born in 1903 in Little Lynn, Texas, south yeah. of Fort Worth. But so your mom's part Cherokee, and then your dad's Choctaw, Scots Irish. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. And and some German in there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had we've got a blend, yeah. like, like most families in America. So both your parents were were religious growing up. Well, they they had they had religion. They they loved the Lord. They weren't they they taught us principles of life. Yeah, and 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 we came to. I, I was I was baptized when I was fourteen, and then I then I recommitted later on in life. Yeah, uh, I had my time when I stepped away from God. God never stepped away from me. Mm. You know, I've I've told people when. Uh, a lot of times, these little short things burst out of me sometimes. I don't know why, but I told him, I said, you know, when I I was watching, I was chasing the dollar at one time, you know, mm-hmm. just like everybody else at a particular point in your life. You're taking care of your family, and you're moving up the ladder, and you're doing those things that you think you're supposed to do. And yeah. and you are at those times. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we don't stop long enough to question them while we're doing them. But oh, yeah. I told him, I said, you know, when I chased the dollar, the dollar ran. But when I reached the Lord, he gave me his hand. Mm-hmm. And I mean that sincerely. When I, I've, I've always had enough. Never had too much. Never had too little. God's provision was always there. Mm. You know. So uh, I think I think the essence of what we try to do is we try to connect. We try to connect while we're here with where we're going there, yeah. and yeah. while we're here, you know, love our love our Lord and our our, our spirituality comes through that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've I've uh I've overheard like you praying with Bradley every now and then, and like doing. I mean, not everyone grows up with church in their life and still like keeps it. When they get older, yeah, I'm just kind of the other way around. I had church in my life, but I wasn't a Wednesday night guy. Mm. Um, I, you know, we learned Sarah prayers just like everybody else. Yeah, and uh, yeah. but I think that I think the thing that strengthened me the most in my faith is the experiences I've had and being available to others. I mean, I'm not I'm not blowing my horn here. That's not it. But I think when we can open ourselves up to be available to others and and serve. Yeah, uh, we're, we're so enriched. It doesn't cost anything to love. Mm. It doesn't cost anything to smile or to share yeah. or encouragement. You can you can make one statement to somebody in the morning that's polite and nice and encouraging. You've made their day. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, when my son was uh, when my son was uh, about eight years old, I think eight or nine years old, he and I were walking up towards the, the doors at the small, and these two women were walking towards there, and Sam kind of slowed down. Mm. My son Samuel. Kind of slowed down, and these gals got to the door first, and they opened it, went in, and then he kind of caught it and held the door for me. And I said, "Son, come here." And I loved, I loved my son to pieces. So he came over, and I said, "Let me share something with you." I said, "I could not be more proud to be your daddy, mm-hmm. and have you for a son." 
And I said, but if I ever see you pause to not get ahead to open the door for a woman, I don't care who she is, what the circumstances are. I said, if I see you stop again, I said, I'm going to. I'm going to kick you with these size 11 no-cona boots in the same place your grandmother used to spank you. <laughs> and he looked at me and goes, okay. <laughs> About a month later, we were back at that same mall, and we were going in to take back some shoes that didn't fit him. Yeah. And uh, a woman was walking towards the front door. Yeah, and he took off running from about forty yards across the parking lot and ran over there, <laughs> opened the door for her, just stood there and smiled, a big old smile, like I got it, Dad. Yeah, you know? and I and I was once again, I told him how proud I was. I mean, for doing. Wow. So how, you see, how many kids do you have? I have a daughter, Chelsea, and then I lost Sam. Okay. Yeah. And what what was because I kind of know that story, but um, I was going to ask you what's what's the biggest experience you've had that's drawn you into your faith like what because you said all of your experiences like yeah is it the is it um your experience with losing sam or was it that's i think that was the greatest test of my faith yeah um i shared one time i've been very blessed um i've had some challenges that have turned into absolute blessings one of those um you know when my father passed i was asked to give his eulogy Mm. my family asked my sisters asked me and my mother asked me and so i did and uh, then when my mother passed a couple of years later, I, I gave my mother's. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later after that, I gave my aunt's. And then I wasn't ever expecting to give my son's. Mm-hmm. But I, it, I was speaking in a little little Baptist church. A sweet woman asked me if I would speak to their congregation. And it, it's, um, it's here in the DFW area. And I was, I was speaking, and, I, and I was, the Lord was just moving through me. I could feel it. I, I don't even know what I was doing. But it was just coming in, and I said, "You know, I've given, I've been blessed because I've given my father's, my mother's, and my aunt's eulogy." And I paused and I said, "But nothing prepared me for my sons." And I'd said that before in that in that sequence. I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, what's wrong?" I said, "That's exactly what happened. God had prepared me first initially because when I was given my father's eulogy, I had no way I could have done it mm. without the strength of the Lord. The same thing, my mother, obviously, yeah. and so I depended on Him." It wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. Yeah. And or the words or the feeling or, or whatever. And the same thing with my aunts to honor her. But when it came to Sam's, when it came to Sam's, I was sitting in the driveway getting ready to go. Everyone had gone. We'd come from different areas to the service. And I just wanted to drive by myself. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, six note cards, and all I wrote up the top could get written at the top of the first one. I'd worked on this for two and a half days. Was God give me the words. And so going into the going into the service, um, there were, I think, almost 400 people there. It was amazing how much they honored Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, I focused on his life. I just knew when I went up there it was to be focusing on his life and not the event that took him from here. Yeah. Um, and I was able to do that because God just gave me the strength. He just put the words through me. And I fo- Sam and I used to talk about, that life is like a boat, and we're going across some water, and you know you might hit a rock, or the wind's going to blow you off course, or you might knock a knock the rudder off off kilter, and you'd be a little cattywampus as you're going towards it. But you always move to the lighthouse. You always move to the light, mm. and as you adjust, you continue to gain momentum. Not so much that you're moving towards it, but that you're continuing to move. Yeah. And when I went back to um, Sam's college classes after he'd been shot. Um, the kids were pretty torn up, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I told them, I said, you know, when Sam was killed, his truck was still running. He was going to go back and get in his truck, and he was going somewhere. And I said, that's what we have to you know, be aware of is that 
We're going to have losses in life that can impede us momentarily, and they may affect us the rest of our life. But we have to keep moving. We have to keep going somewhere. Yeah. And I think that was probably, it was a testament to the Lord. It was a testament to the faith that he gave me and the strength he gave me. Because yeah. on my own, I'm a weak, weak man. Yeah. You know? That's the bottom line. I'm just so, a human. So what? Uh, walk us through. I mean, thank you for being willing to share share sure, your story. Sure. And, um, yeah, like I don't take that lightly I know. either, like you being willing to share that. Um, so for people who don't know, well, what, what, what was Sam like as a kid? Like, what was, Oh, man. Was, yeah. <laughs> Sam was all boy. He, yeah. was, he was playful and he was – he was uh he was had a great heart. Sam had a big heart. Yeah. And uh, very loving, but he was he was all boy. You know, yeah. he would he would play in the dirt and he would but he was a, he was a good-looking little boy and people would stop and comment on that when he was at, like in the grocery store or whatever yeah. and uh uh he was um he was he was focused on on learning different things. Mm. You know, he could he could he wanted to learn more about this and more about that. Yeah. And he was a little entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, he made his own money. And then uh, he went to college. He was going at? to actually he was going to Lone Star College okay. uh, in Houston, and yeah. uh, that had started in three high schools: Humble High School, Spring High School, I believe Klein High School. And um, my friend Mark is one of my best buddies in the world. He's like a brother to me. Um, he and I were the first track team for that for Lone Star College. There were oh. two of us. We were only that was the entire sports curriculum the first year they had it and he was a pole vaulter and i was a hurdler and they gave us 46 dollars was our scholarship 46 a piece for books and uh he had to borrow a pole vaulting pole from the high school and i had to borrow a set of blocks yeah but you know so your son went to your alma mater actually he came he came in at a time when it the school had mushroomed and grown and it was such a blessing to see that yeah what was he studying he, he wanted to be an architect. He'd gone okay. back to school. He, he'd had yeah. uh, started a little business and had done well, but it was a little overwhelming. And yeah. he said, Dad, I want to go back to school. I yeah. said, go, man, go. So how old was he when he was going? He was 24 when he was shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and what happened? Um, Sam was on his way home from college classes at night. He was working 50 hours a week in a machine shop to pay his way. He wouldn't take any money from me. That's the way he was. Um, and he was working uh, five days a week, 10 hours a day. And he got two 15-minute breaks in the morning and a 30-minute break at lunch. And he and the, the men he was working with, a lot of them were from other parts of, of the world, other countries. Mm-hmm. And they would share the gospel. A lot of it was was translated. So he built an incredible friendship and a kind of and a platform to share. Wow. Um, and then he'd go to school at night. And on the way home, he stopped at a convenience store. It's kind of funny. In Houston, Texas, you don't think of somebody just letting you get $10 worth of gas and run up to the window and pay you. But that's mm-hmm. what he would do. These people just loved him. Mm-hmm. And as he was uh, getting gas one evening, a uh, armed assailant grabbed a woman who was uh, coming out of the store and put her against the wall and grabbed her purse and impeded her leaving and put a put a gun on her. And Sam saw what happened. And instead of running up the window, he veered off and went straight into the into the situation and interfered and pushed the guy back and grabbed his, wrestled with the guy, mm. and blocked her so she could get away. But they uh, they wrestled and the the fellow pulled back and uh, shot my son and killed him. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so he didn't die right away, but he was he, he was transported and they, they just couldn't keep him alive. So, yeah, but uh, incredible man of faith and, yeah. and a great smile and and yeah. everybody liked him. He was a lot of fun. So how did you find out that that had happened? Like, oh, I was on a I was on a drilling rig west of Oklahoma City, about sixty miles. And yeah. when I came off the rig, I turned my cell phone on. I got a message to call his uncle, 
my former brother-in-law, who's a um, is in the sheriff department in in Houston, and uh, he told me the news. Mm. Yeah, I was out in the country, and man, I came apart. I just absolutely came apart. Yeah, I bet. And this man who was coming down the road saw me. I was banging my fist inside the pickup. I was in disbelief, and he he stopped, and he was a real strong, very calm, very composed, and. Uh, he asked me what happened. I told him, and he said, "I'll help you." And he was a, he was a Christian man. Uh, he 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 helped me get my bearings and followed me till I get to Main Road, and then I drove to Oklahoma City and and uh, then yeah. head head home. So yeah, I can't ima- I can't even imagine like I like yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine how mad I would feel like just crazy. It was. I'll tell you what's bizarre. I, I, the, I, it's it's amazing to me how the human body, how the mind protects itself. Or yeah, that's what I meant. Not just mad, like angry, but just yeah, in a, just confused and and yeah. insane, like feeling. Because I I I've never experienced anything that intense mm-hmm. or, or or tragic. But uh, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I've experienced more and more the depths of you know getting closer to despair. And yeah. and uh, there are times where you just like your brain just starts. It's it's not like the movies. Like your brain just starts shutting down, and and yeah. you don't even know where you are. You're just yeah. freaking out. And um, I can only ima- like if something were to happen to one of my kids, like yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I was. Uh, you do your your brain takes over to, to protect itself to protect. What you. do you mean by that? I was I had thirty seven phone calls. I was on. I had thirty seven phone calls between when I got on, off the rig location and found out till I got to Houston or to, excuse me, to Fort Worth that night. Mm. Um, and I remember two of them. Oh, wow. I remember only two conversations, but I went back and looked at the phone logs and so many people had called and, and, um, they had supported me and there were a group of buddies of mine in Houston. They said, we'll come get you. You know, we'll stay put. Buddy of mine said, I'll send a plane for you. Don't worry about it. Just sit tight. Very fortunate, very wealthy man. He's just a great, great friend. And yeah. he said, just wherever you are, just tell us, we'll, we'll come get you. We'll get you. Yeah, and I, I drove on home, but I remember I remember only two conversations. Wow, isn't that crazy? Wow. So, yeah. And uh, sorry, you were going to say something? No, no, just good. And uh, um, I think I had overheard one part of the story that you said that the there was like a gas station clerk that mm-hmm. that was like with him. Yeah, they were trying to keep him alive, and uh, um, the segment took off running. The guy who shot him took off running. And, uh, of course, everybody was in shock. The woman who had been robbed was doing everything she could. And, but the, the the clerk at the gas station was trying to help Sam. And, and he, uh, so she had, I, I don't know what she was using, but put put on his chest to hold her. And he just very calmly told her, he said, just uh, put pressure on this. Just put pressure right here. Mm. It's a, everything's going to be all right. Mm. He was very calm, very calm about it. But, mm. yeah, it's kind of... There was not a there's not panic in there, which hmm. is uh, why do you think that is like is it just your genes? No, I think it's Sam had an incredible peace with God when he was shot. He was he was really pouring into the Lord. He was really he was really learning and studying yeah. the Bible and really and really desiring to be the best man he could be. I saw more in my son at his age than I did me at twice that age. I saw an incredible uh, faith and, and a desire to serve. Mm. And and to learn all he could, I, yeah. I've kind of gone back and, and you know recommitted to that. But mm. early in his life, he'd made that decision. Yeah. Uh, so did they find the? Did they ever find the gunman? The, the yeah. Assailant? Yeah. He's uh, 
he won't be uh, available to society. He's in he's in uh, prison. He'll be there for life. Yeah. And what like yeah what what happened there? Like did um. I guess I don't even know how that works. Like how the um we had um Sam's mom and a couple other people that were were interviewed and and you know um about once they caught this guy they caught him 10 days after after the event yeah and then uh i was back in fort worth but i had to go down to houston to talk to the district attorney's office i was trying to make trying to put my life back together up here yeah and um so i said i talked with the district attorney and um there were several people a lot of people in houston were in up up in arms because here's a here's a guy who got out of prison after violent crimes three times, put him in a halfway house, which was a big mistake, and he simply walked out. Mm. And uh, and then he preyed on a woman, you know, mm. yeah, uh, which is pretty pretty sleazy. Yeah. And um, so the, the city was it was kind of a powder keg. There were a lot of people upset about this fact. And so when I sat with the district attorney, um, and thank you for allowing me to share this. It's it's of course. it's um, it was a ch- it was a change in my life. You're talking about yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, the district attorney it was kind of like the detective earlier. He'd drawn an assumption mm-hmm. about how I should handle things. And and he, he after we talked about a few things, he said, I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that you're going to want to ask for the capital punishment to take his life. And I said, that's an assumption. And he looked at me kind of funny. I said, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to. I said, if I, if I speak those words and I want to take another man's life, that's not going to bring my son back. And I said, then I'm no better than the man that we're going to put in jail. Mm. I said, I said I, that does not separate me from him. Yeah. If I, if I, it's not going to bring my son back, and I'm not going to start playing God. I'm not going to say I want to see this man die. It's counter to a lot of people would want for for them. You know, pausing a moment. Yeah. Um, but I just told him, I said, that's not my place. And I said, there are laws. The state of Texas has responsibility. But I said, I'm not going to ask for another man to die to, to for my for yeah. my. And is that something where, like, the victim's family is the ones that pursue that, or does the state pursue it? The state pursues it, um, but I think the recommendations uh, or the 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 sense of of uh, necessity, uh, I can't say that that is something that's taken into into consideration. That would be be far I'd be far removed to mm-hmm. to you know, to assume that that would be used like that, but. I, there, there were there were parts of that that obviously played heavy. I think in yeah. in, in some some discretion. So did you have to? So did you like have to submit that you did not want to pursue no. the death penalty? And just, that probably yeah like weighs in on mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And I just told him. I said he shouldn't. I said whatever you guys do, he shouldn't be available to society. There's no way this guy should ever be. Yeah. You know, we've already seen that happen go wrong. It's already gone wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um, did you ever have to see him after that, or like, did you to see the, him in the, court? The or? fellow who shot my son? No, yeah. I don't want to see him. No, I mean, did you, did you ever have to? Like, no, no. Okay, gotcha. Uh, no, gotcha. It, it was. I never saw him. Never saw him. Just you know, on the internet. But yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't want to see him. Don't care. Yeah, that's tough. And I, um, I hope that's okay with me sharing. But you, you sure struggled with, um, like you'd said, you're sober, and mm-hmm. did that. Was that tough? Like you were sober at the time? I was sober. Yeah. Uh, later on in life, I took some bumps. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm very honest about that. I think. But did that like that must have been so hard during that time? 
I, you know, it, it, it wasn't because I had a perception in my mind of what a man should do. I hmm. spent a lot of time praying, and I, yeah. I thought, you know, if I don't stand strong right now, there are a lot of people going to look at how I handle this. And if I'm strong, I can share I can share God's word and his strength through me for others. Yeah. It's not about Stan. Yeah. And I realized, that, you know, right away I said, this isn't about Stan. This is about God and how God can comfort you and hopefully comfort others. But the key was, the key was it was about God. You yeah. know, once again, I was a weak man, man. I was struggling. I was, my, my son was just been taken away in a violent crime. And yeah. How old were you or how long ago uh, was this? Sam was, it was 10, 10 years ago uh, this past November on 11-11, Veterans Day. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And. So how old were you at the time? That's um, I was right at uh, Sam was twenty four. Let's see, I was tw- I was right at fifty two. Yeah. So how? No, fifty I mean, fifty five. Excuse me. I mean that's 50, that's 55. like. I mean that's no small matter to to have that perspective with like in the middle of all of that. Um, or you said you felt weak, but to have that perspective is crazy. I mean, like a um, not crazy, but. I think it is a testament to your faith and to your convictions and your beliefs that you could think of others in a time where no one would doubt you for, I know me, I know it would be really easy for me to say, like throw, throw a pity party and be like, I like no one's going to be upset or Mm -hmm. um, surprised if I spend some time like being really upset and, and, Anyways, it's just um, amazing, like really amazing. It's it's God. It's all God. I I think the thing that that has been it's interesting because before we we sat down earlier, I was telling you there were some things that were changing in me. Um, I want to honor my son. I, I you know a friend of mine told me he said, "Man, you raised a hero." And you know I was so at one time I was so wrapped up in making sure that my daughter was okay and the family was okay and friends were okay initially that I I didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with it. Yeah. That's what it was. I blocked it out back to the, the to, to help other people around yeah, you, and, and, yeah, and and to be available, you yeah. know. And um, so, a month after Sam was killed uh, at on twelve twelve on uh, December twelfth, I was I was renting a, a little ranch house from a dear friend of mine. Great great family helped me so much, and um, I woke up at three thirty in the morning, and then this volcano that had been building in me was was overwhelming and I got up and I couldn't sleep and at four thirty I just and it was cold. It was cold. I forget how cold it was, but it was mighty chilly and I climbed over the back fence and went out in the pasture and it was so this is it was so amazing how God had prepared everything. The clear skies, beautiful stars, there were thousands and thousands of stars and the this gentleman had cattle and he had horses and so we were out in the country and and um but none of them made any noise. There was no owl making a noise or coyotes or anything. And I just uh, I got on the on my knees. And I just broke down. I just mm. pounded the ground. And in June, prior to Sam Sam being shot, I had uh, I'd started a song about this old man that had come into a feed store while I was helping a buddy of mine at a feed store, and mm-hmm. and I bought a train from him. And, and he was he was fighting cancer for the third time. wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be long for the world. Mm. And I bought this old train to kind of help him out financially. And I thought, well, I'll write a song about this. There's something about this man, this train, and yeah. And then I'd kind of shelf the song. The, the idea was there, but I couldn't get the couldn't get it for some reason. I was blocked on. It. I didn't know why. Yeah. Um, but that that morning on twelve twelve, when I when I was pounding the ground and just coming apart, uh, our loving God just in an almost an audible, but more of an inaudible voice, 
just told me to change the name from, of the song from Michael's Train to Sam's Train, and I just want to go, where did that come from, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, of course it came from him. It wasn't me. Yeah. And the words just started flowing into my mind, and the, 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 the pain had been released, and it was like everything had exploded out of me, and I was a new vessel. And I walked in the house, and I started writing the words down as they came to me. Wow. And we've never changed it. We called the song Sam's Train. And So are you like a singer-musician guy? Well, I'm not a musician, and people would certainly argue that I'm not a singer. They would, but, but, you, but you're a songwriter. I love to write. Okay. I love to write songs. I love so how lyrics. long had you been writing songs like at that point? Or? You know, I think I, think I wrote some of my first, my first songs when I was like eight or nine. Hmm. I didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. You know, and then uh, I didn't have a musical bent, but I had. Uh, uh, I love. I love the written word. I love. Yeah. I love emotion. Hmm. You know, they tell us, you know, follow your thoughts and not your not your emotions. Well, try that. Try attaching love to that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I've always been an emotional guy. I, I believe. Have you made it. a career as what, or have you ever written like? For people or gotten paid to write songs or never, anything? Never paid. Never paid to do yeah, that. Just it would be like nice. a hobby that you like? Yeah. I, uh, I've enjoyed it more the last few years. I've really kind of branched out a little yeah. bit. And working with Bradley is yeah. – Bradley Banning is, is a dear friend, a great friend yeah. of y'all's and mine. And, yeah. And very – incredibly talented. And he's been patient with me because we write together a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He loves songwriting no, too. No, he does. He does. I, I asked him once, great. Yeah, I asked him once. I was like, what if you, if you had all the money in the world, all the time in the world, what would you do? And he said – Man, I would – and I said, you know, you have all this success and everything. Like, what would you do? And the first thing he said – now, I don't know. Maybe he's probably discerning this. But the first thing that came out of his mouth is he said, I would write songs and help people write songs. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's not what I expected. No. <laughs> like, they, like, tour the world playing <laughs> playing big concerts and kissing pretty girls. You yeah. know what? Or, well, now he's got one girl, one pretty girl. But, yes, he uh, does. wow, that's, that's a wild story. And – I'm sorry I keep – for people listening, I, or I'm sorry I keep adding stuff, but I'm trying to piece together the little things I've heard you say yeah. all into one. But there's there's a story about uh, an image of Jesus and and, yeah. and an image of your son. Yeah. Um, man, you're going you're gonna to take me to the mat on this one, but, you know, maybe it will help somebody. Yeah. Um, and feel you don't. Yeah. Have, we don't have to. Well, we don't have to no, I, th- I think. I think as a man at, at, at my age in this life, riding this rock at this length yeah. of time, if I can, if I can honestly make a difference for someone, um, I'll throw this out there. And well, and if you're not comfortable, I mean, if if uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. There was a point in time in my life where I didn't want to live. There was a point in time when Sam had passed. I was trying to get my wheels, trying to trying to get. Um, Trying to get some balance, I was so far out of balance, and I was so I felt so alone. Yeah, uh, I was living on the ranch by myself, um, and I just I just couldn't get my game face on, if you will. Yeah. and I was beginning to kind of tumble in in, and uh, I don't know if it was I don't think it was self pity, but I think it was self awareness that I, that my son is gone, and I'm 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 gonna have to, I'm crushed. I got to yeah. live with this, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, like that feeling of. I mean, I know I've felt those feelings like maybe not as strongly but the the your brain like you said your brain starts pr- trying to protect itself mm-hmm. and your brain starts looking for an out or at least that's what my therapist told me it's there like, you go it's good it's like your brain starts looking for an out and like these thoughts are not they don't make you necessarily like you know um different in some way like yeah. your brain just starts thinking how do i get out of this yes i'm experiencing so much pain 
Yeah. How like and solutions? Your brain's trying to find solutions, yeah. and sometimes it it gets pushed so hard that it comes up with bad solutions. You yeah, know? absolutely. And there are thoughts that then you know you you struggle with that thought. You know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people can relate to that. I uh, I, w- I never thought I'd find myself in that position. Yeah, but I um, one morning I didn't want to be here anymore, and 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 I I realized at that time it was uh, there was a battle going on. There was a battle between. Good and evil, but I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't really grasp it right then at that time because I was in the middle of it. I was in the bulk of a of a good fight. I love a good fight. I don't. I uh, I've fought since I was a kid. You fight for the things that you believe. No, yeah. Don't start a fight, but you know. Yeah. Fight for those things that mean the most to you. And I uh, I just didn't want to stick around anymore. I wanted out of the pain, and and I um, I took a rope calf rope and threw it over a tree limb and tied it off to the to the trailer hitch on my Ford truck and I stood up on the side of it and uh, three times I tried to push my head through the through the loop and I couldn't do it. The second time I climbed back down and I thought I said to myself very loudly, I said, You coward, you can't even get this right and that was nothing more than evil and Satan trying to work me over. And yeah. but each time I tried to tried to do it, um, I had been given a, a, a depiction of Christ, a gift from an incredible artist in New Mexico, and I was going to give that that depiction of Christ to Sam mm-hmm. at Christmas and give him a World Cup soccer ball because he's a soccer player and it's a big year for him. And uh, each time I tried to put my head through the through the loop, um, I just kept seeing Sam's face and that picture of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so when I climbed up the third time, I thought I can do this. I looked at it and it was just like I could see, I could feel it. And I climbed back down. And I called, I called my sister and I called the owner of the ranch. I said, "I need help." Yeah. And here came the cavalry, you know. Yeah. But I was, I was not. Uh, I'm only human, and I hurt beyond belief because I stuffed it and held it down so long and hadn't talked to people about those specific things that were yeah. wearing me out. Yeah. And I was, uh, when I climbed down from there, you, you were talking about perspective and faith earlier. My. Uh, I got the help I needed. I, yeah. I got some understanding that it was okay to feel like that and yeah. not, to, not to deal with it in a healthy manner. That, yeah. But then I began to understand what I needed to do, and it was to get out of self and into service and be available to others. And then I got my wheels. Then I got things back on track. But well, explain that a little bit. I mean, for people that maybe are experiencing that kind of pain or that, mm-hmm. like, because you just said it real quick, but like unpack that. Like you got out of self and into service, or like what was it? Okay, what allowed yeah. you to ask for help? I mean, obviously, ask for help. I mean, that's like yeah. what people could take away is it's sure. it's hard to ask for help, but like ask for help. But then also, what was that shift? Like, what explain that self to service? I think I can't. I went from a part of of thinking that I can handle this. Yeah, you know, as as a man, I should be able to handle this. I went back to an old behavior pattern. It was a pattern that was familiar to me. I can do this. You know, mm. guys were raised to be resourceful and resilient. Independent. And independent, and we can handle this. And and I had done that in many instances in my life. But this one was way too big. Mm. And so I started reaching out for help. I started talking to – I started talking, getting some counseling. I, I talked yeah. to people in my church. Um, but what evolved out of that, which was really surprising me, uh, surprising to me later on was as I, as I, as I began to understand a little bit more um, how that could happen or how somebody could do that. I began to see others that were struggling a little bit too, and I yeah. had the opportunity. 
had the opportunity to be available for them. And they, I, I guess, I guess they just felt comfortable enough to come talk to me about yeah. it. Yeah. And when they did, I was, uh, I was able to share God's strength, not mine, but, yeah. but what he could do for us and, and to, and to kind of, and, and not kind of, but to truly encourage people to lean on him and step outside themselves and, and recognize yeah. that it does not make you a bad person or a flawed person to, to feel pain or depression or, or feel less than yeah. or didn't measure up to, in a circumstance or whatever. Yeah. It's that freedom that happens once we decide I, I'm going to turn this over and I'm not responsible for feeling this way. Yeah. Then we can begin to grow and, 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 and appreciate our lives more. We yeah. can we can be available for others so that if someone is in that need or there's somebody that you you can help out, you're you're there. Yeah. You know? And it's what what more of a blessing can you have to ride this rock as long as I have and get to hopefully encourage people. Yeah, it's crazy how God uses pain and hurt. And again, not that not that pain and suffering God intends it or like it's just I think sometimes Christians get misconstrued as, well, you're just like seeing the silver lining and everything like that's not that's not life like that's not realistic or it's just being optimistic. But so, I mean, it's not that God wanted that to happen or we're just saying, oh, isn't it nice? The things that came from this bad thing. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that like God made us where we have to have other people in our life. Mm -hmm. And like in, what I've experienced is that pain or suffering or hurt. The temptation is as you're experiencing that to turn in and For not sure. want to go to anyone and not, and just, um, yeah. And the last thing you want to do is share it with someone or, or reach out to somebody or, um, but it's crazy how, when you do start doing that, like, how healing it is for other people, how, mm -hmm. how like even just allowing someone else to help you mm -hmm. is a gift to them, like is a, and is a gift to you cause you're being helped. But, uh, it took me a while to realize like how much of a gift it, you are when you share that burden mm -hmm. to other people. And, and it's tempting to think, well, everyone else has burdens. Like, why would I share my burden with, like, why would I put some on their back when, Mm -hmm. they're already burdened right mm -hmm. um but it's crazy how god uses that to bring healing mm -hmm. to other people um kyle i have to pee really bad so why don't you tell stan your favorite country movie or no your, your favorite like and old i'm gonna West. go right after you your timing couldn't be better can we pause kyle yeah yeah we can pause. is there a pause button this is really simple 20 minutes oh you can draw a little bit i was like cool I that's no cool idea. i've never drawn anything I like that. That's going to be that one right there. It's going on the cover of my book, Thank or you. or at least inside that cartoon. At least inside, <laughs> it's somewhere above a chapter heading. Above a chapter You'll heading. Get Forty minutes of drawing. I'll, I'll I love go. it. <laughs> I love it. I'll He'll spend more time. No, no, we're going with. I want the initial man. I want. I want the. <laughs> I want the you original. to sign the rookie card. Just That's the rookie. what I want. Yeah, I want the sign rookie the rookie card. card. And you know what? I think there's a chapter right there called rookie card. There Don't you let go. me forget that's, that. That's a that good sounds great. Name. I'll text you that idea just now so you have it. Do thank you. So the chapter title will be called rookie card. Rookie card. And what would that chapter? be about it would about it would be about changing changing directions like kyle did something through an experience change the direction he recognized if he really wanted to pour into it he could be a cartoonist yeah open the door and what's what's the book that you're gonna write what's this book about sam sam strain well no stan, oh. stan stew is the name of the book okay yeah and what's it it's about your life or like um, is it li life lessons or is it it's uh it's, yeah, an it's, anecdotes it's yeah it's it's gonna be pretty cool i think yeah? um 
Life lessons. You know me. I'm a philosopher. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm 20 cents an hour philosopher. You, you get what you pay for with me. <laughs> but are you going to like walk through your life or is it just yeah, random I, yeah. random things? I'm gonna, I've got some things that are they're going to be sprinkled in from different experiences. Okay. Some a little heavy, some not. Yeah. I'm try to stay away from the heavy, but I'll yeah, get yeah. some serious stuff. But, yeah. you know, there, it, it's – I was reading Matthew McConaughey's uh, Green Lights. Great book. Incredible, okay. Is incredible. that a self or autobiography or something? Or? Yeah, it really is. It's an autobiography, but it gives a lot of insight into everything from from work ethic to family dynamics to uh, following dreams to getting yeah. up on things when you need to. Yeah, like yeah. One of. Uh, so that's what it's been. It's been a real good opportunity for me to read his perspectives, Yeah, um, which is interesting. Some of that ties into what I think, uh, yeah. some of it. Uh, I think each of us could pull some chapters out of there, but... <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got one uh, I've got pull one. This, uh, in my, yeah, this? pull a little closer. Yeah, a little closer. Are you about ready to get back in? Oh, we're in. Oh, we are in. We're going. Yeah, we're going. Oh, well, cool, right? Because cool. it's been recording, right? Yeah, it's been recording. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're so what, what? So one of the one of the chapters I'm I'm calling is uh, seventh hurdle. Okay. And uh, when I was when I was a little boy, young boy, just uh, twelve years old, going going seventh grade. Um, I'd been a sprinter. I loved track, and uh, we were in Kansas at that time. My gra- my dad was in the oil business, and my grandfather, his father in law, was, and that's where he started his career. Um, and I was uh, I was a sprinter. It was pretty pretty quick, um, mm-hmm. but I started getting tall and lean and kind of lanky. And uh, I was blessed with a really good coach who recognized that, and he said he put me on the hurdles. Mm-hmm. And so I started running the hurdles. Well. There, there, there's a number of steps you take in between the hurdles in succession that you so you get a rhythm and most of the time when you're in seventh grade it's five steps or even ninth grade you know four or five steps but yeah. very rarely does anybody get do them in what they call three stepping which you hit with your lead leg you go left right left and then you're up again that's because you're ten yards or thirty feet between the hurdles wow. but I had the I had the stride and I had the speed that I could keep the momentum and. So there I was in seventh grade, and I was going to, to track meets. They brought me up from seventh to ninth grade. I was going to, to track meets running with the freshmen in high school. Mm. And, you know, here I am. I'm I'm just a kid out of sixth grade, you know. But And I'm going to these track meets, and so I'm running with the freshmen, and I'm holding my own pretty well. Mm. But there are guys there who are going to graduate. You know, there's a freshman, then there's a junior varsity, and there's a varsity, you know. And you can step up, but um, – there were guys who were finishing high school and go to Vietnam that year. Wow! You know, stop and think, but that was that was kind of a different time. Yeah, there was a lot of civil unrest, and I, I learned to fight for what was right. Not the not I, I I stood up and fought for a very dear friend of mine, a good friend of mine. One time, we yeah. both got the heck beat out of us. I would I wouldn't miss it. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, because it was for the right reasons. Yeah, but, but there's a lot of civil unrest, and I don't want to tie all that together right now. But it's uh, it gave me the opportunity to. To compete at a different level, okay. and, and so doing that, I began to understand that that I could I could press it, I could press the envelope. a little. What I've learned later on was I was I would outwork everybody. You know, mm. my dad told me one time he said, "Son, you're probably not going to be the smartest man in the room," and I recognized that right away. <laughs> I, I appreciate him sharing that with me, <laughs> uh, but but he said you can outwork him. And yeah. so I had a great work ethic. So I, I calculated one time I ran over 40,000 hurdles in practice in high school and college. Wow. I only ran one year at track in college. But wow. Short time. But, uh, yeah, it took a lot of work. But I would get stronger. I knew that if I could come out of the blocks and I could hold my own, which I was so slow out of the blocks, like molasses, everybody would be in front of me. All I saw was their, their butts and their elbows going over the hurdles. Yeah. But um, – if I would stay with it and, my, and do the mechanics, so it taught, taught me something about life and about doing the mechanics, that if I would stay uh, 
consistent and not make any mistakes. If one of these guys who's so much faster than me happened to make a mistake, it would move me up into the pack a little bit quicker. Yeah. And as they got tired, excuse me, no, as can't. they got as they got tired, I was getting stronger. So by the seventh hurdle, I had already made up my mind, and it's a little bit of arrogance, but you have to be confident. Yeah, uh, I had every intention of winning every race. Mm-hmm. So when I get to the seventh hurdle, I took full and complete ownership of that race in my mind that everybody else was going to fade back, and I was going to accelerate. And I was very blessed. I hit the tape a lot of times ahead of a lot. Why of the seventh hurdle? Why did you focus on that one? That was the that was the point where I noticed that I was getting that I had a burst of energy ahead that. I, I knew I could close the race. Really? And the other guys were, were slowing down, and, and they were beginning to fade a little bit. So I would out-train them. I would work harder and work harder and work harder and work harder. Wow. So even though you weren't faster, you knew that if you, like, hit your, I'm, I'm going to do this every time. I'm going to yeah. focus on the seventh hurdle, not the first yeah. hurdle. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. Yeah. So you just do it, do it, do it, do it when I get to that point. And so I, so where that where that correlates is I think, you know, at my age, I'm, I'm – 65 years young, and I was I was running track this this summer. I went out to I was this past summer. Uh, it was 96 degrees at noon, and I went out and I ran it for an hour and a half, and then I went back at 6 p.m. and it was 100 degrees, and I worked out another two hours, and I was in pretty good shape. What this was last summer? Yeah, last summer. What? And, and uh, you're running hurdles? Yeah. So this guy this guy asked me. <laughs> it was so funny. He said to me, uh, really neat guy. He's uh, he's ranked eighth in the country in the 400 meter hurdles. College guy, great guy. Wow. Independent. He's 20. I think he's 25. Um, the guy was standing there watching him and training him, and this guy, this other guy, standing there with him, and he turns to me, and goes, he goes. Uh, Man, how old are you? And I said, I'm not. I'm six, I said, I'm 65 years young. And he looked at me and I said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 42 years old. And I said, that's too bad. And he looked at me and I said, that's a choice, man. When you feed that word old, then you start preparing yourself to get old. Yeah. I said, I have every intention of staying young until the last day. And he looked at me like I was crazy, which they usually do. Yeah. Um, but I meant it sincerely. You yeah, know, yeah. We, we become what we believe. We become what we add words mm. to. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot of that stuff in, in sales training yeah. and all those things as you come up through your career. But I'm very, I'm very intentional on what I try to share with people. If it can make a difference. Yeah. And that's something that I learned was that if your mindset is you're going to get old, you're going to get old. Yeah. If your mindset is that you're going to be a very good guitar player and you're willing to do the work and, and stay with it like Bradley has, you become more proficient. Yeah. And then it becomes more enjoyable. Yeah. And it's not work. Did you, uh, there's this book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and I'm not a scientist and I don't pretend to be one on the internet, but there's a, they talk about a study in this book where scientists took two groups of people and they had them read like a couple pages of text mm-hmm. and, um, and they gave them two different, two different things to read. Like each group had a different thing to read. Okay. And one group, they had them read a passage that had words like fast, young, um, quick, sprinting, this kind of stuff. And then another group, they read a text that included lots of words that were like old, geriatric, slow, weak, you know, frail and all this stuff. And then they would, they ended the, you know, experiment, but the, the people in the experiment didn't know that they were still watching them. So they'd, they'd dismiss them and they would leave the room, but then they would, clock how fast they walked from the office to the elevator and they found that the people that read the slow stuff walked slower on average than the people that read all this stuff about quick and young and or and fast and all this stuff and it had a subconscious impact on them even though they 
they weren't, you know, they weren't like thinking ab- about that or they weren't um, consciously. Yeah, it just like had a subconscious impact on the way they went about the world because of things that they read. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I I, I believe it. I believe that. Yeah. You know your mentality and the way the things you're feeding yourself and things you're thinking and and mm-hmm. constantly absorbed in like does have a, a really strong impact on you. I believe it 100. percent They uh, they did that. similar things with. Uh, I got in trouble once on Facebook because I posted about this, but they did similar studies with um, doctors' lab coats. So they would take people and they would have them. Uh, they would have them. I we gotta look this up, Kyle. It was like they would have them. They would have them make educated guesses on stuff and but they would test one group they would test them a certain way but then they would add a lab coat and they're not doctors or anything but something about having the lab coat on they performed just slightly better (laughs) or they were more confident or something and it it. was something about how um what they were wearing impacted how they felt Mm -hmm. because a lab coat it's like oh i'm a i'm a important person i better give give a good but it had some type of subconscious impact on is that it? Oh, the brain-focusing power of the lab coat. Look at you, Kyle. Hey, we're going to read this here. So basically they did this study where they found that wearing a white lab coat, a piece of clothing associated with care and attentiveness, improved results on tests requiring close and sustained attention. Importantly, the effect was not found when they said this is an artist's coat. So it's oh, not a so, coat thing. Oh. So it's not just that it's a white coat. It's that the the like what my thoughts are about a scientist yeah. or a doctor's coat. Maybe, right? Right, The yeah, perception that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm this type of person. So they took 58 people, half of whom wore this lab coat and half didn't. And they were told that the people before them had worn these jackets during an early round of the study to protect the clothing from, like, some dust. And then they uh, they took this test where they had to, like, name a color of a word, flash in a computer scheme while ignoring the word itself. Mm. So they did this for a couple things, and they did it with a lot of people. You know, ninety-nine people. Well, ninety-nine isn't a huge. That's a pretty uh, representative sample size, sample size for yeah. this sort of analysis. You don't yeah. need that many people if it's a diverse group. Yeah. You can get pretty uh, scientifically accurate results with only ninety-nine. Kyle's people. also a scientist. I'd see that. I'm not a scientist, but when I was in college, we had to read these studies, and I'm telling oh, that's you, right. you're an economics major, so you can speak a little bit to this. The only thing I was good at was we used to have these tests where they would give us an article, and we had to answer questions on it. I remember like that was the only thing I was good at. Like the questions where you had to read a book and remember, very hard. But I was like, guys, the questions are on the test. It has the answers. <laughs> I was like, you just gotta slow down and read. I never yeah. understood why that was like a problem. Yeah. For but this is cool. Like, I mean, I think it. It, you know, there's something powerful about setting yourself up to do these little ritual or do these do something to put yourself into the the mindset of what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Do you have like maybe a songwriter's jacket you can put on? <laughs> no, or? I don't. I don't. They gave me some drumsticks when I was when I was a kid because I was one of the Redlin kids. You know that the government <laughs> gave Redlin to and try yeah. to get you. You know, I don't know what the results they were looking for, but yeah. they put me on a set of hurdles and gave me some drumsticks. I was busy. That, there I you go. That, but Do you play the drums? No, like, could no, you, could terrible. You I was terrible. <laughs> you at just it. I gave them up. You know, yeah. I gave them up. But yeah. But I, no, I think I have I have a uh, I have a ritual uh, that I do every morning, and and it's uh, it's been incredible for me. Um, I've, I've shared that I think I was born with the greatest two gifts a, a little boy could be born with. Uh, an unshakable optimism and an adventure spirit. Hmm. 
So it wasn't any surprise for me to chase the boys on the bicycle, even if it been running through the traffic yeah. and get hit. So yeah. you scrape that one off and you recognize, well, that, maybe that's not the best idea, but where am I going to go next? <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I, I, I always believe that. I always believe that I was, um, I believe that I'm called to, to encourage and, and help people reach their, their potential. Mm. And as we were talking before the, before we started this today, I had an amazing – I get up at about 4.15, 4.30 in the morning. Um, it, actually, I've paired it back to 4 and 4.15 here recently because mm-hmm. I want to have time for my, my my prayer time and to read some scripture and, and do some other readings that I like to do. But yeah. in order to do that and still get a good workout and start my workout at 5, uh, I start my workout at 5 o'clock. I go outside. It's been pretty chilly sometimes, but – I go outside and I start my workout out there for 30 minutes. Then I come in the house and get on the weights for 20 to 30 minutes. And then 6 o'clock, I'm, I'm in the shower. But between 10 to 6, I, I do a, a protein drink. And mm-hmm. so I've got a I've got a regiment. And I learned a long time ago that that was easier for me to just do it, to get a regiment. Mm-hmm. Um, because I fully expect to have the results of that. Yeah. I fully expect to be healthy. I had a – I had a uh, – um, a physical yesterday, basically an in-home physical, as I've taken on a new insurance company with this COVID thing, it was kind of cool. Um, but I, 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 the woman asked. She said uh, she was so sweet. Um, loves the Lord. She told me. She said. Uh, she said. Says says you're 65, and I said I am. And she said, but you don't. What medications do you take? <laughs> and I said, I don't. I don't take any medications. Yeah. And she said, you don't. And I'm, so I'm very blessed. I'm very, yeah. very blessed. But, yeah. I mean, there are many people, and God bless them, who, who have to have specific medications for their needs. I'm just at this point in my life, I don't have to have any. Wow. So I don't t- – I'll take aspirin once in a while, but I take vitamins, and I, yeah. I, I eat very healthy. And, yeah. Um, but my anticipation, what I expect of that is what I've gotten. Yeah. You know, if I get up in the morning – so I, instead of saying I don't have enough time in the morning to do more Bible study or more reading or more prayer – you just have to push the clock back and get up a little early. Yeah. You don't and so not, yourself. And so you're not wondering, like, each morning you're not wondering, is this a workout morning? Do I have to work out? It's just what you do every That's what morning. I do. Yeah. Every morning. The first thing is, you know, hit the coffee and use the restroom and then get on my knees, make my bed, and then get on my knees. Before yeah. I put my pillows, I lay them down, I get on my knees. Yeah. So it's it's a very peaceful time for me in the morning, and I don't I don't race out and I'm not grabbing a sandwich and halfway throwing it in a plastic bag because I'm running out of time. I have time to yeah. prepare for the day and, and – you know, that's, yeah. that's great. That's awesome. It. So you have to anticipate. I think. I think the key is, you know, Charles Swindoll said that you that life is ten percent what happens to you, ninety percent how you react to it. Mm. I believe that one hundred. I believe that too. You know, you yeah. Know, I. I don't. I, I have friends of mine who are very, very successful in in many areas of life. In other areas, they're not as successful. Mm. Um, but as they've as they've begun to recognize that and do those things that need to be done to. To get better in those other areas, I've seen incredible growth, and it's a mindset. You yeah, know, you change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just you just approach it differently. Yeah. If you can pause and stop your mind long enough to have a neutral spot in there where you're not racing ahead or remembering everything behind, mm-hmm. and then you learn to move to the future. And um, it was a very it was a very powerful morning for me this morning because I went out. Um, this was the day of my walk. I I, I work out and then I go walk and. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked out by Lake Grapevine this morning. I was listening to uh, uh, motivational tapes. I've changed from listening just, you know, I like rock and roll. I like country. I cut my teeth on the blues. I love the blues. Um, but I was listening to some motivational, and uh, it, was, it was incredible 
because I was getting exactly what I needed. The, mm. the Big Dipper, I was looking at the Big Dipper. I was looking at the moon this morning. The water across Lake Grapevine had little, as the wind was moving, it was like little diamonds dancing yeah. on it. You live in Grapevine? Mm-hmm. Near the lake? Yeah. That's nice. I sure do. So, so do we. Maybe we should start working out in the morning. We can do that, man. I got a little home gym in my garage. I dig it already. <laughs> do you run every day too? No, no. I okay. don't know. So you said you do a workout, then you hit the weights? What's your... Well, I do. I stretch a lot, then I, and I work with some tubes. I had a shoulder, re- not reconstruction, but they I had uh, had a physician tell me my rotator cuff was gone and my yeah. upper bicep looked like mush. And I... Oof. Yeah, so they, they repaired it. The shoulders go, though. Isn't that like... That's, that happens to a lot of people, yeah, right? Yeah, but you know what's interesting is I, I was four months with a balloon. They did they went eight entry points into my shoulder. Most of the time it's three. Mm. And he told me, he said, you know, we're going to have to stretch and we're going to have to cut off bicep until we can get to some some good muscle. Yeah. And he said, the problem is we're not stretching lean young bacon. And I said, we're stretching old crispy bacon. And he said, <laughs> yes, we are. So it took a, it was five and a half hour surgery. It was wow. incredible. Wow. It was incredible. But this doctor was here in Grapevine. Um, Dr. Amir Khan is an incredible surgeon yeah. and a great man. Yeah. And he basically reconstructed this, but he told me, he said, you got a 70% chance of 90% recovery. Hmm. And I said, well, it's better than the other way around. Yeah. And so I worked very diligently. Yeah. You know, very diligently for a long period of time. I, I I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but there's something, maybe Kyle, you can look this up, but there was something I heard recently where uh, they were finding that hanging, like hanging from a pull-up bar yeah. is uh, really helpful for for shoulders and that it might, it might uh, yeah, just really help with uh, rotator cuff health hmm. and like shoulder health. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, in a, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's one of these things that if it's not true, it's going to spread a lot because, because it kind of makes sense. It's like, how often do we put our hands? Up? I mean, I don't know how often there's probably days I go by without putting my hands yeah. up yeah. and something about like hanging being uh is that true? Kyle, is this some- hanging like a monkey to fix my shoulder? Look at him there. He's got it right there. So man. according to board certified orthopedic surgeon, John M. Kirsch, MD hanging from a bar for about 30 seconds, three times a day. Can fix ninety nine percent of shoulders. What? That's a wild claim. That's he's, pretty stout. He's claiming he discovered this in the eighties when he had the shoulder pain. And he was supposed to get surgery, and he just started hanging from a bar, and then felt better. He says that humans being descended descendants of apes of that apes, like the right, we, the socket or like that the our sockets are hmm. built to have this kind of stress put on them that way. Or even if you think about even not even apes, but like just humans in back in the day, they were probably climbing some stuff, you know? <laughs> like I can picture cavemen, you know, climbing up to go get a banana. That totally, Interesting. totally well, makes who sense knows? with me. We've got to start trying that. We've got a lot of trends. We're a society of trends. Mm-hmm. The last 20 years, I've never seen anything like it. Whatever's popular, everybody jumps on. Yeah. And with social media... Uh, boy, don't get me started on that. But yeah. with social media, whatever's whatever's the hottest, latest thing everybody jumps on, they don't they don't. A lot of times, they don't stop to recognize the the impact of doing something that's yeah. not very well proven. Yeah, and you know, it's it's not substantially mm-hmm. justified that you put yourself through that. Yeah, you totally. Know? I uh, I'm I'm not real big on that one yet. This hanging. like coffee colon cleanses. You're not yeah. you don't want to start I'm, that. I'm not going through all that. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll outlast them. <laughs> so uh, you also are in – you're – well, I'll just say you're an actor. That's pretty crazy. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> it's finally justified. I yeah. thank you. I uh, I, I had and, a good friend who started me on this. Yeah, and not and not when you were young. I mean, like when did you – how long, how long have oh, you been – Oh, man. 
Uh, I'll or t- well, you said you did acting when you were younger, but not like professionally until no. recently. In seventh grade, uh, I wanted to be an actor because I thought this was great. You know, all these- I did too. On did really? elementary school and middle school, I really, I, I don't know why. Well, look that at was- your creative side, man. Look what yeah. you've created here. I mean, well, also amazing. there wasn't YouTube back then, so I no. mean, it's not like I probably would have wanted to be a YouTuber back then. You know, there or you something. Go. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I really wanted to be an actor too. It's it's a it was a desire for me to and and I think it's because growing up you always want to play you're playing yeah. you're playing another part and I thought it was just well this is simple yeah but I was in a play in the seventh grade and I forgot my lines right in the middle of it I forgot my lines all the kids laughed mm. and the teacher was kind enough she the drama coach was kind enough to you know whisper the words to me and get me going and I got going but I remember there was so much pain when they all laughed at me I said I'm never doing this again. Mm-hmm. I shifted 100% into athletics. Uh, and I, so my creative side there that I really wanted to explore never happened for a long, long, long time. Yeah, and yeah. about three years ago, um, I had a friend of mine. She's, she's a director and she's a great, great friend of mine, a great life coach, if you yeah. will. Um, she was sharing me. She said, you know, Stan, you, you ought to consider getting into acting. I said, where did that come from? She said, it's just your, your expressive was the word she used. Yeah. And she said, I think you would do well at it. So, you know, like anybody else, my ego just shot so full. I, my head was the size of a beach ball, <laughs> and I just felt so good about myself. But, you know, I didn't know if I could even do it. Yeah. But, but I felt good for a moment. And and, and I started taking classes. She recommended a, a, an acting coach here in the Dallas area. And Who? Let's give him a shout um, out to I'm trying to think what her last name, what Stacy's last name was. Um, I have to go back to that. I'm okay. sorry. No, it's, it's been fine. a while it's since fine. I was over there. But um, but then you got a you got a part, right? Yeah, she offered me a part. So I, it was I did it for about two years. The first two years in this COVID thing, you yeah. sat down. But um, I had uh, she asked. She called me one evening and she said, "Stan, have you got a moment to talk?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, uh, "She said I have an idea." She said, um, "Would you be interested in doing a a, a play?" Doing a part in a play, and I said, you know, immediately I'm thinking like small auditorium, high school type thing, and you know, because that's where yeah. I, you know, that's where I related. I, yeah. And I said, well, I might. I said, tell me about it. And so she she said uh, she told me a little bit about it, and I said, uh, I said, yeah, let's let's talk about it. And so she we she I said, tell me a little bit more. And she went on. And I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, yes. And I said, was I the was I the th- the last of the three that you considered for this? And she said, Stan, I. I, I Considered ninety-two men for this part. Wow! And then the then the you know the the, the beach ball turned into a huge <laughs> globe, and I, you know. But I told her I was trying to work two jobs, and I said I can't really do this right now. But, yeah. But you know, it was fulfilling because yeah, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I would love to act right now. And yeah. I, I, I met a director yesterday at the in in the Fort Worth, and out of the blue, um, what kind of stuff are you most interested in? You know, I think I, I think I could do a, a wrinkled old cowboy pretty well. I think so too. <laughs> but, I think so too. Uh, but, uh, As we've been talking, Kyle, can you pull up a picture of Ian McGregor? Ian McGregor, or who's who played Gandalf? Uh, Ian McGregor. Every now and then, when you're talking, I see. Uh, is it this guy? Yeah, oh, but McKellen. McKellen. Yeah, yeah, him. I guess. But wait, no, is that him? No, Gan- did he play Gandalf? <laughs> He looks weird in that photo. Yeah, that's a weird photo. I well, that's like. a nice comparison. Then we'll roll with no, that. No, no, yeah. that's he. Like I've seen pictures where he looks much more gentlemanly. Right there, he looks like he looks hmm. like Gollum. Right See, there. See, you know, he gives me different vibes. Who, if I were to give one, I get the Christopher Lee vibes from him. Oh, a little bit. Maybe a younger. Yeah, like 
sort of not really. Have you ever struck me as a vampire? <laughs> well, that's that's pleasant. I appreciate that. Oh, was, Thanks for not taking the shot. Was this guy Gandalf? No, Ian Ian McKellar. I think was Gandalf. Then who's, well, who's he playing here? This looks like that's a, not Ian McKellar. That's a that's the White Wizard. I'm Have not, you not seen Lord of the Rings? I'm a Star Wars guy. I'm not a Lord oh, of the Rings okay. guy. I don't I, know why I said that. Is like that's mutually exclusive. You can watch more than one movie, but we are not a Lord of the Rings family. So what else would you be interested in playing? What other kind of you parts? know? I, I, I've anything? thought about it. I, yeah, anything. I've, I I know it sounds funny to be this age. No, and people say, well, let's just dismiss this guy. He's crazy as a loon after this is over. But but, but I, I, what, I can, like I said, can do that. It's what keeps you young, right? Like I yeah. think it's what you know. It's like I'll go down the road and I'll be when nobody really staring at me going down the freeway, and I'll 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 do a different part. I'll take on different persona. Oh really? I do. And just I, like random lines. Or just something? random lines, and really? I'll just fix. Yeah. And it's, How long it's, have you been doing that for? Like most about, of your life? But, well, <laughs> like would you a just long time. would you just like make yourself like yeah, entertain yourself yeah, by doing yeah. different? I I I, I do a, a 107 year old old man and 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 the the lack of as i'm doing right now the <laughs> lack of focus that he's able to continue and i and i take it to a part where he was you know was born and is and, and it's kind of cool You're just coming up with all these backstories yeah, and yeah, just doing a character yeah. well i walked out when i walked out of the stockyards hotel um i took a friend of mine who'd never been to stockyards we went down there to have lunch and, and and show her the stockyards yeah and we i said come in and see this art in the stockyards hotel and we walked outside and these as we after we finished it, and this is how God's timing works. These two guys are standing out there. They both have cameras as they're walking up, and I just, you know, how bashful I am. I just said, "What are you guys doing?" And they, they turned around. And this guy says, "Oh, is this your car?" And I said, "No, but go ahead and use it." And, <laughs> and the other guy started laughing, and, and we started talking. And my friend said she just stepped back in the shade and watched. She said, "I just here it goes." And before it was over, we connected, and uh, we're gonna. He's he's done four western films here in the Fort Worth oh, area, really? and. Uh, we're going to connect. So if nothing else, you know, it's, it, I met some nice guys. and Yeah, it's so and, fun. But Well, and like, I mean. So I was acting like I knew what I was doing when I walked outside. It was yeah. just automatic. It wasn't thought about. You yeah, know? yeah. So. And like what else? I mean, I mean, talk about advice for not feeling or getting older. It's like pick up something. To- like now yeah. it's like you're you're totally excited about acting now. Yeah, too. why not? I yeah. mean, that was one of the things we had talked about today when Bradley and I were talking. I thought. What happened this morning was was huge for me because I was able to take some of the pain and the stuff that I've carried with Sam for years. And I had seen yesterday on a ride out to uh, Weatherford, there was a small church out there. Mm. I was going out to look at a friend's ranch he's he's preparing to sell. Yeah. And on this little church marquee, he said, I don't live in the past because I'm moving to the future. Mm. And I thought about that. I thought about it. So I need to lay some of this stuff down. But by the same token, as soon as I, as soon as you do that, it, it releases you to to move forward in whatever it is, the universe, whatever God's going to bring you, mm. you can be available for. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a bad habit, whether it's a, a thought process that's not healthy for you, yeah, you empty that out and you come in with the next supplement to make you better. Mm. And if that's not going to be at one hundred percent, you bring in some more. You know, yeah. You, the 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 story Stan Stu that I was I was talking about the name of my book yeah. was it there was there was something that happened with that that really gave me incredible faith when I was um, after Sam had been killed I, I really struggled in holding the job and keeping my mind right there's something that clicked and went wrong and over the years it's it's hopefully it's returned to the majority mm-hmm. but. I was really struggling, and yeah, you know, bet. at uh, at my age, you don't think you're going to go out and do anything that would be embarrassing or 
uh, or below where you think you want to be. But I was struggling, and finances were tough. Mm. And uh, I, so I, I was behind about three months of my rent, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get get my couldn't get it together. And so I took some of my dad's fishing tackle and saws and things that he had left me, you know, after he had passed. And uh, I took a piece of cardboard and I wrote on the side of it, poster board, wife on warpath sale. And I hung it over the side of my truck out at an intersection on a, a country road south of Fort Worth. I won't say where. Yeah. Uh, I don't, that's not important. But um, here I was at that age and doing that. And yeah. I, I put all pride aside. Yeah. And I said, okay, Lord, give me something that's mission today show me what i'm supposed to do yeah and i went out there in the heat in the summer and i did that i hung it out and so guys would see the sign they'd honk they'd wheel back around they'd give me five dollars for a fishing pole and <laughs> i know it sounds incredible terrible to be at this age and talking so openly about this but that was the point i had hit yeah and that afternoon i got eighty dollars mm. not a lot of money yeah and i uh i took the eighty dollars i put fuel in my truck and i set some aside um and I had uh, I went to the grocery store, and I bought all the bent cans and everything, and some of the, the the meat that was on clearance. And I went back home, and I made a huge pot of stew. I've mm-hmm. always been able to make stew, and I believe this: you can fight a war, you can feed a family. Stew works yeah. when nothing else works. Throw it in there and see what you got. Yeah. And uh, so I went back and I made stew, and I kind of figured in my mind, I got enough stew here for ten days, mm. a couple of meals a day, one in the morning, one in the evening. And so I had that little bit of money left and, you know, like 25 bucks, 20 bucks or whatever. But I went out and I continued to try to find a job and I'd eat stew in the morning and I'd come home in the evening. I hadn't been able to find employment. I was not the man to be hired. Mm. I didn't look it. I didn't feel it. I wasn't putting off that vibe. And at that point in time, I really didn't have anything to offer anybody. Mm. But the game changed. After nine days, I got up that last morning and every morning I'd pray and every night I'd pray. And I got up that, that 10th morning and... I just prayed to God. I said, God, let me do your will. Let me be a tool for you. Take me out of the toolbox and use me. And I said that every morning. And so I had my bowl of stew, and I had one bowl of stew at home. That's all I had left, man. It was That was all there was. Mm. And uh, I went out, and I looked for jobs all day, and I didn't have any luck. And late in the afternoon, I stopped at a, a gas station to wipe, wash my windshield and just kind of regroup. I thought if I clear my windshield, I'll clear my vision. Mm. I know things are crazy, but they make sense to me. And I was standing there getting washing my windshield, and I start talking to this guy. He had a really nice-looking pair of uh, ostrich boots next door to me, putting in fuel. And I commented on those, and we started talking. We started chatting. And he asked me what I did, and I told him at that time I, I didn't have a job, and we were we kept it up. And we, he was very kind. And he said, why don't you call me in about 45 minutes? Here's my number. I've got to go back to the office. He said, I want to talk to you about something. I said, sure. So I called him, and he said, uh, "He said I'd like to hire you." Mm. And I said, "You would?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I've got a place for you." And he said, "This is where you go." And he gave me the address, and he said, "Meet me in the morning." And he said, "You'll go to work in the morning for me." And he said, "We'll, wow. di- we'll discuss the the salary and all that when you show up." Wow! So I go home and I get that last bowl of stew. <laughs> I ate my last bowl of stew. I got on my knees and I prayed and I cried. Mm. And I got up the next morning, and I threw my shoulders back, and I went to the address he'd given me. And uh, when I showed up, he he was kind enough. He said, "Well, he said you're gonna you're gonna be in sales for me." And he said, uh, "I have a pickup out here that's for you to use." And he said, "You'll have an expense account." And he said, uh, 
He said, uh, after you talked to me, he said, I realize you're probably a little short on money, so I'm going to go ahead and advance you $2,000. Wow. And he said, now let's go to work. Dang. And what was the job in sales? It was in sales. Wow. And so I went from my last bowl of stew, and this is how God works. If you believe and you stay strong and you do what you what you know is in your heart you're supposed to do. I went from that last bowl of stew pending that night to the following morning to have a job, a truck, an expense account, and a man, a man who hired me and made me part of his team. Wow. See, that's not Stan. Yeah. No, Stan was persistent. It was persistent. And I tried to be consistent. Yeah. But what I didn't know was God was God was the consistent one. God was the mm. was there all along and he he's he was he was not testing me. He didn't God didn't just always test us. Yeah. But he was he was there when I when I needed it the most, right at Man. the end. That's a great story. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's a really so good story. So I called it Stan Stew. So my book is going to be called Stan Stew because it's going to be about things where the Lord has stepped in and helped me or I've had things happen or friends and I've, I've learned from them. So, Man, when's the book coming out? As soon as I get it done, man. <laughs> How far into it are you? Oh, I'm probably 30% into it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's pretty. I'm, I'm not a good writer. Mm. I like to think I am, but I'm not. That's exciting. But it's kind of cool. Have you thought about just uh, just voice like Dick? Dictating. Bradley mentioned that this morning, and having I, someone just edit it. Yeah, I think that's what I need to do. Get with you cats and yeah, get and then it done well, that or way. just to just get or, it or get it out, just yeah. to get the first draft. Yeah, like just get yeah. as much out, just talk as much as you want, yeah. and get it all out, and maybe just have someone else start piecing it together, yeah. or or just do a pass through, kind of edit, and then yeah. and then you read through it and and see what you think, and start because I mean the real the real work is editing, like the writing, the draft is like. You know, you could get a lot of words down, but mm-hmm. then the editing, like, what am I, mm-hmm. what do I want to say here? How, you know, that kind of stuff. But that sounds like, I mean, I'll, I'll buy your book. You're hired. I'll buy I'm your book. I'm hiring you to do it. Yeah. I'll give you a free copy. And I'll buy, okay, there we go. Kyle, you're in the book. All right. Great to be in the book. <laughs> we already got one illustration. <laughs> we got an illustration. <laughs> That's right. We got an illustration and a, online. And a story behind and, a, and, a, and an example of how a hard work and diligence and 20 minutes into a new venture works. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Stan. Have you ever seen. We got a script here. We do. Have you ever seen? Uh, here we go. There's just different. It's actually not a script. There's different. Um, there's different passages from a movie here. I wonder if you know. Here, read that first one at the top. Let me put these uh, Dollar General glasses. And I got on a copy here. of it too. I think okay. we'll do some. We'll do some acting here. Oh boy. So, do you recognize from this first quote? It's Dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah, Dirty Harry, Kyle. I've, I'm a Dirty Harry fan. I've seen all of the movies, actually. Okay, so what if we did? Let's do the second. Let's do this. Um, the second paragraph, the second section here. So this is Dirty Harry. Do you want to play the mayor? You need to play Harry Callahan. Okay. You play uh, Clint Eastwood. You're gonna put this on me right here now. Okay. Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's try it. Let's I'm try a horrible it. actor. You're a professional. I'm actor. I'm not a professional I'm actor. No. <laughs> I was I was told once they 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 uh, offered me a, a sausage sandwich and a cold beer to get off the stage. <laughs> And I turned and I said, wait, I have a friend who's a piano player over here. He'll need one, too. <laughs> okay, so there's our cameras. There's right. our cameras, Stan. Okay, so, okay, so I'll, be, uh, I'll be the mayor, I guess, and you'll be Harry Callahan. Okay. I don't know if this passage is long enough, but we'll try it, okay? All right, so I need it. to come up with a backstory for the mayor. So you think about, well, you know who Dirty Harry is. I haven't yeah. seen this movie in a long time, to be okay. honest. Is the mayor a good character right now? He's like always on Harry's butt for like not playing by the rules. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can do that. Crooked, yeah. All right. Okay. So you're Harry. Okay. And I'm the mayor. And I'm, right. a, I'm, I'm real upset with you. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Callahan, I don't want any more trouble like you had last year in the Fillmore District. You understand? That's my policy. Yeah. 
Well, when an adult male is chasing a female with intent to commit rape, I shoot the bastard. That's my policy. Intent? How'd you establish that? When a naked man is chasing a woman through a dark alley with a butcher knife and a heart on, I figure he isn't out collecting for the Red Cross. I think he's got a point. <laughs> How do we do, Kyle? I think, oh, I think it was good. I love Dirty great. Harry, man. That was great. Like, it's an all-time movie for that reason. Oh. Okay, uh, what's another one? Well, Let's do another one. Okay, the one below it. Doctor. Okay, what now I'll be the doctor. This. Oh, just click this. Okay, so now I'll be. So now I'll be the doctor. See, these are – I tried getting the script, but older scripts are harder to get. Oh, and, yeah. And I, this is kind of it cool. Was like, it was like 20 I bucks or something. I got this, man. Uh, okay, so I'm the doctor. What happens in this scene here with the doctor? Um, like what is my – what's my what's my intention here? What's, wait, my, what, what's going – What's my motivation? Uh, he's trying to save his leg. He's trying to – He got shot, I think, is what it is. Okay. I remember right. Yeah, that sounds, sounds vague. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm a doctor. I got to put on my lab coat. You put on a lab coat, you'll feel better. All right, and is it this leg here? Yes, it is. Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. I'm going to um, – I don't know. I have to think of the – I have to think of a different character. I can't just play it like the mayor again. I got to do it differently. Yeah, a little more uh, loving. Okay, okay, more loving. But still intent. But, but also kind of like a uh, – that yeah. hairy, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. Sure, Harry. We can save the leg. Takes out some, oh, take out some scissors. Here's yeah, your scissors. Sure, sure, Harry. We can save the. We could save the leg. What are you going to do with those? I'm going to cut your pants off. No, I'll take them off. It'll hurt. Twenty nine fifty. Let it hurt. <laughs> that was pretty good. That, that was pretty good. Strong. Should we do? Let's do the famous. Can we do the inf- or the very famous at the very top? The famous line here. Which one is that? At the top, uh, you know the famous line. Or the famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. This? Oh, yeah, I know that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe we'll, we'll each take turns looking the camera. Yeah, you go first. Okay, I'll, I'll go you, first. I'll, I'll go follow first. you lead. Should I just do it as Harry? Yeah, absolutely. Or should we put like a spin on it? Like I'll do it as like a female hair, like a 2021 hair. Or just Harry, do a normal hair. Just do a Harry. I don't know if I have. You have Harry you in got you. It, you got it. I don't know hair. that I have I'm Harry. I'm believing in you. Okay. So he, this is after he shot somebody, right? Yeah. Or no, no, he's no, about he's to. Yeah, he's about to shoot. He shot a bunch of bad guys. The guy's laying there and he's looking. And he's at laying him. there. He's looking down at him. Yeah. Right, and he's like, shot a whole bunch, right, Kyle? Right, right, because he shot him a couple times. But that's the big question: is how many times? Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm gonna look at this while I'm. All right, so I got my gun, and I got that Clint Eastwood. You got it, light. man. There it is. I here love it. I love it. Okay, you ready? Maybe you say action, like I'll get okay. I'll get I'll get, get into ready. character and then you Give just the say eye, action I'll, I'll say. and I'll be <laughs> right. I'm gonna try not to laugh. You got it, okay, I'm gonna be Dirty Harry. This yes, is embarrassing. Are. Okay, ready? All right. Okay, action. wait. What what is the what does the actor say to tell the director that he's ready? I don't know. Like before action. Uh, should, should I say action? And action. No, no, no. But he says action. But how do I tell the director I'm ready? So I just say I'm I think ready? the director makes that call. Oh, know? that's true. Okay. Oh. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Go for it, man. And you can just say action. Action. Uh-uh. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? <laughs> well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, <laughs> I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a .44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would 
blow your head clean, clean off, off, you got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I like it. Scene. I like it. I like it. That man. was hard for me that to do good. seriously. It was really hard for me to do seriously. That what, was good. What you got to realize about the movie is that in the beginning of the movie, he gives that spiel to some random punk. Oh, he then, does? And then the punk's like, oh, and he like gives up. And then Harry knows exactly how many bullets, and he just like pushes it out, and he's like, yeah, I had no bullets left. And the punk's uh, like, oh, and he gets cuffed. But at the end, he does the spiel, and the guy reaches for his gun, and Harry just boom. Pops him because yeah. he always knows exactly what How it many is. Bullets are in his gun. He just says it. Man, it's been so long since I've seen this drive. movie. I think I was a kid. I think I was a kid when I saw this movie. My dad would always make me watch these movies from the past with him, and I never <laughs> liked any of them. Like, no offense to these great movies. Like, I remember we had to watch like we watched like Bullet with Steve McQueen. It was cool. That's great. And I was like, all right, that's okay. All right, I'm watching it because it's my dad. Yeah. We watched Dirty Harry, and I was like, Dad, this is awesome. Yeah. I was like, this is great. And we watched the all the sequels, which they go down in quality as yeah. it continues. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm a big Dirty Harry guy. So could we do this? Maybe this will be how we end the episode, is you just do your version of it, and then we'll just kick off the music. Does That, that would be cool. Yeah. We can try it. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Let okay. Me, okay, we can do that. You can just look to get. Thanks for being on the show. You're oh, welcome. Thank You're you. welcome on anytime. You just say, I want to come on the show and, and we'll have you on. And I know we have some other ideas of some stuff we could do, but you're welcome anytime. You're welcome at the studio anytime. Thank you. Yeah. You're a real, you and Sam are a real gift um, to me and to, and to everybody. I think everybody that hears your story and knows you. I mean, I think most people that meet you just know that. Thank so, you very much. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys are incredible and you made me feel so welcome. And yeah. uh, it's been fun. Yeah. It's, it's good it's to have you around. Fun. It, I know we talked about some serious stuff earlier, but it's it's also been very light and, and, and yeah. inspiring for me. So thanks. Yeah, and this show, you know, that's what's so great about that's why people tune in, right, Kyle? We get funny and we also get serious. Yeah. Oh, that's what's great about it. Okay, all right. So there's your camera, sir. Okay. And you are, and I'll I'll call right. action, and then we'll just and then we'll kick off the. Are we ready, Kyle? So we, we are this. totally ready. Okay. Do you need a gun? Uh, yeah, that'll work. There you go. That'll there's a gun. A little gun shy right now, but that'll work. All right, here sure. we go. Quiet on the set. Cameras, action. Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Did you fire five shots or six shots? Well, to tell you the truth, in the middle of all this excitement, I can't remember myself. But being this is a forty-four Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you got to ask yourself the question, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Plan, I don't know. Plan on it. That was great. That, that was good, man. That was good. <laughs> this was such a good episode. <laughs> that was a kick, man. Thanks that was so a much. kick. That no, was so thank good. you guys, man. I, I, I felt, I felt like it, I was doing okay. You know? Oh, you're doing like great. It was, it was cool. Oh, it was such a good. It was, so it was good. fun, man. It was perfect. It's exactly what it should be. You guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys.